Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Apple wants employees back in the office for a hybrid work week, but some employees want to remain remote. Something's got to give, but we don't think it's going to be Apple. A husband of a slain wife is sentenced to 65 years in prison after her Fitbit data told a different story about how and when she was murdered. We thought facial recognition policy was bad in the United States, but New Delhi police say, hold my beer. It's using data with only an 80% match threshold as evidence for potential prosecution. And big data and AI-powered chatbots are enhancing the college experience, helping with everything from admissions to recognizing signs of depression. We've got all this and more for you in episode 49 of the Tech Chime. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly is your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Uh, I think it's time for iPhone season. Now we got all these rumors coming out, so I'm getting a little hype, a little, little hype. <laughs> I haven't decided if I'm going to get the new phone or not. Oh, I'm getting the new phone. And I, I was going to say, and when I say I don't think so, I mean, I'm probably I'm getting it. <laughs> so my daughter, my youngest, the one I just sent off to uh, A&T. She's like, Dad, the, uh, the new iPhone's coming out. Can I get it? I was like, you grown. You can get whatever you want to get. I just love that I can say that for both of my children now. So, uh, no, she, what, what she, what she meant was, can you get it for me? That's what right. she meant. Oh, that, I, I know that's what she meant, but I literally just bought her the, uh, you know, the iPhone 13, I guess. She mm-hmm. just got that. It, she hasn't had that three months yet, four months yet. So oh yeah, she would need to get that new one on her own. And like, if you if you just so, have to have an upgrade three months after like, look, a new phone, you, get, you, you gotta you make that get, happen on your own. <laughs> you can get whatever you want to get yourself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't gotta exactly. ask me permission for that kind of stuff. It's like just you know, pop that SIM card out, pop it in. It should work. <laughs> it does not require my input at all. So I'm just uh, it. You know, my oldest daughter, she's like finally. Because uh, she always, you know, for probably the last six, seven years, she's had to buy her own phones. And that's the thing I said, hey, I'm going to get you one when you go off to college. Whatever you get after that is on you. Now, she's, of course, she's still on my plan and everything. I'm, you know, I'm not making her pay her bill, but I just bought her a brand new phone. If she wants to get a new one. Oh, you still paying the bill? Well, shoot, you might well still just get the phone. Then. <laughs> you still paying the bill? Like, what's the difference? Another $13 a month in there for the, for the phone is just like, you might as well just keep paying, bro. Well, that, that's what she's trying to do, but no, you got, you got to start them somewhere. So, you know, you got to start guess. taking care of responsibility. So, like my oldest, she don't get none of that anymore. She's paying her own bill, got her own phone. She's doing her own thing. The you know the youngest is at least getting the bill paid, but I am not about <laughs> buying those new joints. I would not know anything about that. Yeah. And I got her. She got her an iPad too, so she got See? a phone and an iPad within a month of each other. So 
must be nice. <laughs> I will be purchasing my own phone uh, and paying for it. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely getting that new job. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and uh, start a tech show. So uh, normally, uh, w- you know, when we start talking about these various you know subjects and stuff like that, I'm, uh, you know, I, I try to play it right down the middle as, as much as I can. But this one, this Apple story, I'm with the employees, Apple employees. You know, they got a taste of that remote life and they really ain't trying to go back to it. Uh, I believe it is September 5th on uh, what is it? Labor Day. Uh, Apple has plans that you got to come back in the office. It's a hybrid plan, but they got to come back in three days a week. And there's a bunch of employees who still aren't feeling that. So I'm with them on this one. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go back either. But Go ahead, Terrence. No, I was going to say, um, as much as, um, let me forgot the best way to say, as much as I am pro remote work, these employees had to know that this day was coming. And as a result, they either should have been preparing ahead of time, or maybe they just assumed that Apple was just going to say indefinitely remote work or whatever the case may be. But um, they had to know this day was coming. So it's like a petition. Y'all now y'all just now doing a petition. Y'all should have been had this stuff geared away going from the word go because y'all know Apple with that brand new brand spanking new spaceship satellite thing over there that they was going to let that thing collect dust. They was going to bring y'all back in there. So it's like y'all should have been planning early to get this going ahead of time. So y'all get at least come with better ammunition than just a, um, a petition. And at the end of the day, this, your job is to be at the job. Like if that's what your job requires, like, you know, there the the pandemic was extenuating circumstances. You know, we had to stay home to stay safe and all of that. However, your job actually does require you. I mean, clearly it, it, it allows for some flexibility because you've been able to continue to do your job uh, over all this time at home. But it you still report to somebody. So if the somebody that's signing your paycheck wants you to come back in, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I I'm of two minds about this. I mean, I, I I'm always trying to be pro employee, uh, but you still got to answer to somebody. And and to your point, Terrence, they're not gonna let Apple One or whatever that is called uh, that spaceship is called go to waste. And 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 at some point. They had, like you said, they had to know that things were going to get as close back, closely back to normal as possible. And, and this is, this is the job. This is the job, period. And, and I have no problem with things evolving. I have no problem with things changing. I have no problem with employees, um, putting a game plan together to be like, yo, look, Apple, this is what we're doing now. You either rock with it or you don't. And then we're going to have to play our cards. But they ain't do all that. They're just like a petition. It's like that change.org. Is that what we're doing now? You know what I'm saying? I would have hoped I would have wanted them, wished them to get a better game plan together and be like, look, all right, we're about to mobilize, maybe even unionize. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the answer is, but I think they could have came up with something better than a, a petition. So is so my like opinion. I, I, I am all with the not having to go back to the office because I'm just not about that life anymore. That being said, 
as you said, they how much money did they spend on that giant donut? Um, a couple billion. It's like, hey, you know, they, so, somebody says, like, hey, we, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a giant donut. <laughs> spend billions of dollars on it. You know those folks are going to have to go back. So I understand where they're coming from, but I also understand where Apple is coming from. And this ultimately is going to expand beyond just Apple. Uh, I think that, you know, workforces have to get used to the fact that they're going to be required to go back into the office, at least hybrid, because Apple's not being gangster with it. They're not saying you must come back in five days a week. They even modified their original plan. I believe the original plan was to have them come in set days. And now you're going to be able to come in like, you know, two days with a swing day. They should have been back. The the, the news that I was reading, they should have been back back when it was starting to get warm around springtime, even before Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. And Apple was pushing it back, pushing it back. Um, They, you know, fielded um, feedback from the employees and employees was up in arms then. And Apple's like, all right, well, we'll push it back a little bit further. Yada, yada, yada. But I'm I'm saying these Apple employees should have been like, all right. Eventually, they're going to call us back in there for real, for real. What is our plan? And it seems like this petition thing is almost like a response to Apple saying, we want y'all back in the office versus the Apple employees getting together and be like, look, going forward, this is what we want. This is what we want to see. This is what we're willing to do to make it happen. This is what's going to happen if y'all don't come to the table, you know? So I I just wish they would have had a better plan. Yeah. I think one of the things that, uh, you know, people are going to just have to understand is that just because you don't go into the office does not alleviate your company from paying for the building. Um, they are going to reap those benefits. Now, I think there's a lot of companies that they were able to get out of leases. They were able to get out of this. And like, oh, it's, it's actually less expensive for us to have you work remotely than to have you in the office. And those companies are going to be good with you being remote 100 percent of the time. But if your organization owns real estate and, you know, they have to, you know, they have to pay for that real estate that they own, they're going to get you back in there. The other thing, too, and I, and I do believe this because, I, you know, I, I was a manager at a fairly high level for a long time. Um, I do believe that there is something to be learned by being in, you know, in, in, the in office. proximity mm-hmm. to people. Um, to, it teaches you how to interact with folks. It also teaches you how to manage. So I'm, I'm thinking of this purely from the people who are looking to, you know, maybe move into management. You know, um, there's just a level of people skills that you have to, you know, pick up on if you're trying to be a good manager. And it's so much easier to do that if you actually are in close proximity with people and you can actually see and, you know, and, you know, get the side conversations and you, you meet somebody at the water cooler, all those kind of things. You know, back in the day, we actually used to talk about TV shows at the water cooler. I mean, that was that was a thing. Um, I don't know what the digital version of that is now, but there are still things that, you know, there's just conversations that happen when you are next to someone that just won't happen when you are on Slack or when you're on Microsoft Teams. So um, I think folks have to get uh, used to it. Uh, and this is a story we didn't even put in here, but there's, uh, you know, there's this big thing now. I think it's called uh, quitting silently or something. Like that. Uh, yeah, well, silent that. quitting. Yeah, yeah, silent quitting. So um, I don't, you know, 
I don't I don't necessarily subscribe to doing that to basically doing as little as you can and not yeah, getting fired. I, uh, <laughs> I have. <laughs> look, I have done uh, that look. before. So here's I, my, my I standpoint. I didn't have a name at the time when I was doing it, but I right. have quit silently Man, uh, at a job before. <laughs> um and, and my whole thing and going back to to the uh, previous story, it's like things change. Companies adapt. You evolve. So that even that whole notion that, you know, you got to be around people in order to manage people. I don't even know that's the case anymore with Slack, with all these other ways people have been doing remote for not even even before the pandemic. You know, people have been 100 percent remote for the longest, you know, and I think that is a skill that will evolve and will adapt, you know, um, you know, fast forward to this silent quitting thing. It's like corporations are learning slowly but surely and they're resisting as you can see with this apple story mm-hmm. there they are learning that people do not no longer are starting to no longer to subscribe to the 9 to 5 monday through friday company loyalty to a bigger extent to where people Growing up back in the day, your identity was wrapped up in your where, who you worked for, your job title, your job uh, position, your titles, your duties and responsibilities. These kids nowadays, they do not care about some title, some 401k uh, pension, uh, none, of none of that, none of that. They like, yeah, look, I'm just here. To collect a check. I'm just so here I so I don't go. get fired. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fired. So I can go and discover myself and, and do all these things because I can't take the money with me. I can leave generational wealth. I can set myself up to where when I retire, I'm not a, a, um, a burden on my family. But once I check those boxes, I'm not trying to give this company all my time and all my effort stressing out, losing sleep. On the weekend. Well, it's, it's true. Cause you know, like at the end of the day, when the, when the layoffs come through, they come in, you're, they you're, come you're, they in. come in and matter. they cut in you and it don't matter how diligent mm-hmm. a employee you were. It doesn't matter how, how on time you were every day. It doesn't no matter, matter how hard you, you in worked the on the weekend or not in the office. If you answered those emails after 6 PM, none of that is going to matter. And I nope. think, you know, and I think that was, that was always my attitude period about a job. Uh, you know, there was a line from um, Mo Money back in the day. Now I'm dating myself with uh, the Wayans brothers, one of their first Marlon and Sean's one of their first movies. And and Marlon, like all he used to say throughout the whole movie was a job ain't nothing but work. And <laughs> and I say that all the time. I be saying that all I'm like, listen, a job ain't nothing but work. And, and it's true because it's like at the end of the day, you're performing a service to get this pay, you know, but whenever that agreement doesn't work for that company, they can terminate that agreement on, on demand. You know what I mean? And, and so you really have to think your mindset has to be like, for self, it has to be for self first and, and, and company second or, or third or not at all. Cause you know, shoot, it is what it is. So I don't have a problem with, uh, you know, with this, this new thing. It seems like I've just been hearing about it since like, I don't know, June, July. They just came up with a term. Like they came up with a new term, but Um, we, we all been doing that. (laughs) I'm not down with the companies that expect you're going to be putting in 20 hours of overtime. 
They do though. You know, you're gonna be coming. They really do. You know, you're gonna be doing all this. Um, if you are managing to that, you're not an effective manager, in, in, in my opinion. But on the other side of it is that I would hope that folks that they actually enjoy what they do for a living. Um, everybody. Well, and that's the other part of the problem. You got people just doing stuff to make, to earn money, but not doing something they actually like, you know, right. and definitely don't love and definitely aren't passionate about. So now you really don't give a F because you're like, I don't even like that in no way. So <laughs> I, I'm going to sit here and do the bare minimum. Right. So, hey, so like I said, what, what I'm hoping is that you can have a situation where if you, you find, you know, you find employment that you actually enjoy, you like doing. Therefore, when you're in it, you're in it. You you know, you're going to give your time to, you know, uh, to whoever is paying you for that time. But it's like you clock in when you, when, when, when you go and you're done when you're done. You're not taking it home with you. You have that great work life balance. If, you know, some folks are saying, I'm basically just trying not to get fired. I, I'm trying to do as little as I possibly can I mean. to not get fired. <laughs> I probably can go find somebody who is more effective at doing what they, you know, doing what you do than, than you. Maybe, maybe that role is not for you. That's just my opinion. Like I said, I've been in management so long. I've been on that side of it. Um, I'm not trying to be a shill for the man. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, but I do, I would hope that, you know, folks are trying to find things that they are truly, uh, you know, you know, interested in. Um, and even and, if they're not, they like doing. And even if they're not, the whole silent quitting thing, I think that's an extreme, right? Yeah. I think what most people do is I'm going to go to work and I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my job and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it to the, to the morals and ethics that I believe in. But then when five o'clock come, I'm out. And I think that's what the silent quitting thing is, because a lot of the companies, like I, like we mentioned before, a lot of them, I, I mean, speaking of personal experience, they are like, we are expecting you to put in 50, they 60 have very hours high expectations for yep. what for what they for what they provide to you and let and them call you on the weekend and you don't no. pick up your mobile phone. No, that's <laughs> people, not they, people get performance evaluated based off of how available they are at a moment's notice. Now, true. I have done this. I have had a, uh, you know, a pager before this is we going way back in the day. And the pager was because, you know, I, I basically this is, you know, at the beginning of my IT career when I was actually, you know, doing data center work and I had like seven floors of servers. So I could be on any one of these seven floors going up and down. I was never really at a desk. I was basically at, you know, at a console standing in front of it, rebooting, installing patches, doing all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was when I when I clocked out, that pager did not go with me. It went into a drawer. Uh, at my desk, I, you know, I, I did make it a point. And, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, we we, we paid you at six. Like, yeah, but I got off at five. Yeah, it's and like, don't I, get I me don't wrong. Take the pager with me. So there are jobs like data centers, servers, mm-hmm. database administrators, to where it's like in the in the job description, like, yo, if this thing go down on a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. we gonna have to call you. Mm-hmm. But that is if a job specific. Yeah, on call, on call. That's the word I was looking for. If you're on call, bruh, you on call, right? But the, the way these companies have been moving, I'd say past 30 or 40 years to where it's like your identity is wrapped up in this position and they hold you to that. And they people are starting a lot of loyalty and they, and people are starting to break away from that. And people are starting to break away from that. And these companies are, they are resisting. 
This is the resistant pyramid uh, uh, period. And it's like eventually it's going to shift to where companies are going to get on, get on with the get on and they're going to recognize and they're going to start to adjust things. And then as a result, you know, it's a, it's a cycle. Yeah. They're going to have to get on board because they won't have nobody working there. <laughs> I'm wondering if you're going to see Apple have a bit of the next to this. Coming up here in the next few weeks. Well, there was already a guy that left a high level guy from that, from the article hey. you posted, uh, that went to went Google because he didn't want to, you know, stop working remotely. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's the thing too, that, you know, you didn't have a, a plethora of options nope. back in the day, neither. Once you got that quote unquote good job, you mm-hmm. stayed there because you knew it was a good job. You had good benefits. It was a good salary. You knew it wasn't you know, super easy to just pick up and go somewhere else. Right. But now these days, you know, you can have a new job in in 24 hours. So you look low key, like, low key. Some folks with this remote job, they work in two full time jobs. Right. <laughs> right. And ain't so it ain't enough for them to be like, you said what now? All right. I'm out here. Come I'm on, out. Me, exactly. I'm gonna stick this UPS. You know, make my decision. Sticker. On these joints I was going to keep. <laughs> exactly. They don't understand. Stick- people got options these days. Mm-hmm. Thing I'm going to say on this. Another reason why I think a lot of Apple folks might end up jetting over this is because it's expensive to live in Mountain View, California. It's expensive mm-hmm. to live in to San that Francisco. point. To that uh, point, it, Apple you know, is building. They're building more um, offices closer to San Francisco. I think it is, or wherever they are. They're they. Uh, I have to go find the story. Um, in, in addition to the side, the, the, the spaceship, I call it They're they're building some more other spaces probably to answer that question to where there's some people that regardless of how nice the building is, regardless of how nice it is to work in the Apple environment, they're like, I don't want to drive that far. So it's like they already built. I'm going to find that story and, and post Even it about but. driving that far. Sometimes you just can't afford to live there. Can't afford um, to live out yeah. there. It, right. I mean, there's a lot of folks. I mean, I remember reading stories even before, you know, we started this show last year. Uh, of folks who were like, well, since we're remote, I'm leaving, you know, Silicon Valley. I'm, I'm now going to go to, to this area. I'm going to go to that area. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to go somewhere else in California. I'm going to go to Texas because it doesn't matter where I am now. So effectively, you got a salary increase simply by relocating because of how expensive it is to live around Apple headquarters. Uh, so I think that could be a part of it as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't think that this, uh, I don't think this petition is going to do anything for Apple. They've already, they've, they've already acquiesced. It's like, okay, nope, they're going to give you a floating day. You can pick where you want to, you know, you can have long weekends on the front side or the back side. You figure out how you want to do that. I don't know that you can ask for much more than that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if people actually end up leaving. So the next story, y'all. And, you know, we, we, you know, we always talk about last week, you know, our, our whole show was really about protecting your digital footprint. And it's like, this story makes it, makes it clear that you don't need to need to know about yours. If you're trying to do dirt, you might need to worry about, you know, uh, you know, other people's uh, digital footprint as well. There is a, uh, you know, a husband who was just sentenced to 65 years, uh, you know, for uh, basically murdering his wife. Uh, he had gave a great story as to what, re- you know, to what, you know, the story that he said happened, but the Fitbit had a different story. And that they actually used, you know, her Fitbit data to determine that, nah, son, you actually, you made all this up. You probably got away, you know, you're it's, trying to get away with murder. It's interesting. This story is actually, and it's just a quick, quick plug, if you will. Um, I, I believe it's here. I was looking for it today because I've used this story as kind of a case study 
Um, and I'm pretty sure it's in here. I was looking for it. I was like, I couldn't find it. I was like, man, where is it? Um, but I've used this story for years as a, as a case study for why your entire digital footprint is, is important and not just social media. I think young people, especially, they only think about their Instagram, you know, and Mary or TikTok and, oh man, I messed up. I messed up. I'm like, but you know, there's still a myriad of other ways you can be tracked, your data can be harvested, you know, your your information can be searched and recovered and everything else. And I've been using this story literally since it came out um, for as an example of how your digital footprint is is bigger than, you know, you think. Yeah. And the a reason why I put the story in is because how are we feeling about this, right? Because I've always been on the side of uh, make sure you turn this off. Make sure you opt out of this. Make sure you make sure you click this button so they can't track you. Make sure you block this because you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, right? They could be watching you. Well, in this case, they were, they, they, meaning the, the, uh, I guess the prosecutors that were, um, in this case, they, the, the man's, the husband said, you know, some robber came in, robbed him. Uh, was robbing the house when he came home, nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, when the wife came home shortly thereafter, the robber shot the guy, shot the wife and killed her. Well, according to the, um, cameras at the gym where she was a member of saw her around the same time, the guy, the husband said the robber killed the wife. They were like, Oh, well, let's dig a little bit deeper. And then the Fitbit data is what corroborated, according to the story, the Fitbit data corroborated that she literally was moving and then she stopped moving around the time that the husband killed the wife. And then they was like, oh, okay, so bet. Now we got this bigger story, yada, 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 X, Y, and Z, you know? So in this case, it seems like the, the, the woman was being tracked and that kind of turned out, of course, <laughs> it didn't turn out good for her because she's still dead. But the fact that justice was served because they was able to quote unquote track her. So I put this story in there. It's like, okay, well, we've always, I can't speak for the three of us, but One I've always been times when this works out in, in the track. Right. So, favor, yeah. you know, how do we feel? Is it, is, is there a hard line? Is there a gray area when it comes to, tracking you and and surveillance it can it come in handy should those times when it comes in handy should those kind of um make up for or co- overcompensate for the times so where we do feel like our privacy is being violated when it can't work out in our favor how do we feel about this i think in this instance i don't i don't even necessarily know cuz cuz if i'm not mistaken the fitbit just let people know that she was still alive during the time when he said she had gotten shot. And that's just because it was, it was already tracking her movement and her steps Mm -hmm. and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't, that that to me is that was data you were already giving to the Fitbit anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily look at that as any sort of privacy violation necessarily because the data was already there. They just requested it based Mm -hmm. on the fact that they saw her on the camera and, Mm -hmm. and now let's, let's just, like you say, corroborate it against this. She had a Fitbit on. So let's see if she was still moving at the time. Um, I think, you know, when, when you go to, extreme measures and and subpoena data that's supposed to be private gotcha. um i don't know how private your fitbit data is supposed to be but um you know i feel like they were you know she she put that out there like that mm-hmm. in the interest of her own you know 
information and knowledge and things like that. I, I, I look at this a little differently than okay. say a Facebook taking people's private messages about abortion pills right. and, and giving that information to the government. I, I look at these a little bit differently. These two situations. Gotcha. I do as well, because if you are using your Fitbit or whatever smart watch, smart device, smart fitness track or whatever it is you have on to track you because you want to put it into your run app so you can track your runs or your walks or all that kind of stuff. You kind of know that, okay, I'm making this data available to this application. So to me, there's like at least some conscious thought that goes into how that application is tracking me and how it's being used, at least in my head. As compared mm-hmm. to Stephanie, like what you said, okay, I'm, I think I'm sending this private message uh, to someone and I'm thinking it's private because they've told me that it was and like, oh, no, it wasn't. Pri- it was, it's only private until they decided it's not. Um, right. To me, that's that's something that's different. Um, and, you know, and here's the thing. Um, did this do anything to help this lady out? No. So I'm not willing to give up rights to because you know, if if we saw just countless stories where people were being helped out by this, then then maybe it could you know sway me or change my mind. But no, I'm still pretty much no. I you know I want all this stuff encrypted, and I don't want you to be able to get to this data without actually getting a uh, you know you know a quarter to do it. Which in this case they probably would have been able to do because they're investigating a murder. Um, you know, I, I remember a conversation that I had, uh, you know, with my youngin as I, you know, was sending her off to school. It's like, hey, you need to make sure you are checking your phone because I am nervous about uh, what are the uh, the air tags? People dropping yeah. air tag and tracking, you know, you know, and tracking her that way. And I know that Apple is now, you know, they they actually have, you know, put some you know stuff in there to where you can actually see if there's one that is doing that. And I was like, hey, you need to pay attention to this stuff. Uh, you know, you know, just know, know what's going on, you know, going around. Um, so that, you know, those kind of things, I still want companies to, you know, be able to, you know, just give me a good feel about their data. Um, but this, this really doesn't change my mind on how I ultimately, uh, you know, think data should be handled. Uh, this dude, I don't know, right. man. Uh, uh, if we, if you could, if you could, if you could, uh, be a ghost and be in the courtroom sitting next to your family and they find out that your data that you wanted, uh, kept private ended up, uh, 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 sending your murderer away for 65 years and your family rejoicing, rejoicing and they crying on camera. Would you, <laughs> Not crying. as right, would you, uh, the ghost, when you feel like, all right, now I ain't gotta, so now I don't have to haunt this dude for the rest of his life. <laughs> I'm still coming so to him in his I dreams like, in jail. I'll say it like this. So, me you still get on it. <laughs> I am against the death penalty unless you kill somebody that's close to me. And then I'm, I am absolutely for it. So <laughs> I will abs- I will talk out of both sides of my mouth. Terrence in that situation. Well, yes, I would absolutely want that data to be made available <laughs> because it's going to help my people out. But generally when I'm talking about, you know, uh, America or talking about earth. No, I think I'm still on the side of privacy, uh, you know, for the masses because these are just outlier cases. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see this happening. I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Over and over and over again. I get it. What you can, I don't want what I, what I put out there to be used against me. I want it to be used in my favor. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let me, let me have a button that actually, uh, makes the distinction for me. <laughs> so y'all, uh, one of the things that we, we talk about on this show a lot is, uh, you know, just bias and in artificial intelligence, bias and in facial recognition. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, our facial recognition policies that we have here 
are bad, but they straight tripping in New Delhi. Uh, I, I read this story about uh, in India, uh, the Delhi police are looking into identifying people involved in civil unrest in northern India um, over the past few years and said they would consider an 80 percent accuracy rate for positive matches in facial identification. And I said, 80 percent. That that doesn't that doesn't sound right. So I actually started looking to see what some experts are saying. There's like eighty percent matches, basically not a match at all. At all. Um, and remember where this is. This is in India. So one of the things we've talked about on this show is how uh, inaccurate facial recognition is for women with darker complexion. Well, you've got. Over a billion of them. Well, not over a billion. You've got hundreds of millions of women in India uh, that uh, are, are darker complected. And they only need an 80 percent um, match to be used as evidence. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Even if they don't meet their own 80 percent threshold. If it flags you, they're going to investigate you regardless of whether it hits 80 percent. I was going to say that they're going to treat it as a false positive instead of a negative. Exactly. And And it's it's just like, so you're basically just going to investigate everybody is what you're saying. Well, it sounds to me, that sounds like control. Um, And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot. I don't know the actual numbers, but there's a lot of people in India. And I'm pretty sure the over proportions, the, the proportions of of people in power. Versus the number of people in general is mad lopsided. So this, this sounds like a scare tactic to me to where it's like, they don't want, they don't want these people, all these people to decide, Hey, this is how we want things run. So let's come up with this way to scare people into saying, Hey, if you are involved in any sort of civil unrest whatsoever, and we think you might have been involved we coming to get you. So decide how you want to play this game. And that's, that's what it sounds like to me. They're using this as a method of control to keep all them people, um, to, to keep power for the, you know, the small, the government or whomever. Yeah. 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 For the few. That's what it sounds like to me. Absolutely. I I have always been anti that, you know, um, black and brown people all look alike, but if there's a billion of you, there's bound to be some folks who resemble each other. And I'm just thinking, so you go into a lineup is you and four other people. There's a 20% chance that even though you didn't do it, you're going to be, I mean, it's like, you know, when it says it's 80% accurate, I mean, it's 20% of the time it's going to be wrong. Um, That was just, I, I mean, I, I literally had to go back and reread this a couple of times and make sure I understood what they were saying, um, you know, about this. It's like, well, yeah, if it's 80%, we'll just use that right as evidence that it was you. And if it flags you at all, we're going to investigate you regardless of whether it was you or not. And, you know, that was scared them folks. And it didn't even sound like they, you know, trained the AI on using, you know, standardized methods and and different things like that. They they're just like, like, I think to Terrence's point, they're just using this as a weapon, basically weaponizing facial recognition against the the citizens of the country to to keep them from protesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's keep exactly what it sounds like. Um, Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll watch this to see how it plays out, because. There's no way that they're not going to get some people hemmed up that it wasn't them, but it's like, oh, you know what? This person, it was close enough. And we know that they were around the area. Let's go ahead and just, and, and just hem them up. And I was, uh, you know, as I was, you know, looking through this and reading through this, like, man, this is, is this like a digital, you know, stop and frisk to where you just, you don't stop anybody you want to stop. 
And Pretty much. It, you just, I'm just going you know, to stop anybody. I'm going to investigate you. you know, I'm going to investigate you because you're you. Um, so, yeah, I was I was not down with that. And like I said, I, you know, I just had to remember. And, you know, they, they pointed this out in the article that uh, this AI is 35 percent inaccurate on women with darker, uh, you know, hue tones, um, you know, to their skin. And I'm like, yeah. that that is that is very problematic, very problematic. Browns, this is always getting the short end of the stick. Always, always. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Stephanie, you threw this one in here uh, about uh, you know Movie Pass. Uh, looks like they're trying to make a comeback. So I want to get both of you guys to take on this. Are you ready uh, for Movie Pass? Are you ready for it yet? I, like I, we all want, uh, we all want to see that are coming up. Are, are, are there are. That's the thing, but I just don't know if I'm ready to go. I have. I literally have not been in a movie theater since before pandemic, um, and and I just am so hesitant to. <laughs> like and movie theaters are notoriously nasty, sticky, unclean places <laughs> on their best day. Um, so like the idea that I'm going back in there now with, with Omicron floating in the air and, and monkeypox on the seat and, and everything else is just, Ugh. I mean, there's some movies I gotta see in the theater. Um, I'm, uh, I'm gonna take my, my Clorox wipes with me when I go and, 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 and hope for the best, but man, this is, I don't know that I would subscribe to a movie pass to get a whole movie pass. Um, cause I don't think I'm gonna be up in theaters like that, but, but good luck to them. Well, right. So, well, so <laughs> I not necessarily juxtapose, but compare, um, movie pass trying to make a comeback and everybody like, nah, son, you know, y- y'all ship has sailed. Y'all tried. Y'all burnt. Y'all burned through money the first time. It wasn't even all that super attractive. Shortly after when people found out, oh, I'm pretty much going to the movies for free almost. Once once they got to groundswell and they had to actually try to make money, that's when everything fell apart. You right. know, if I'm if my memory serves me correct, I think uh two brothers, um, they're not siblings like brothers actually started this uh movie pass startup but then it seems like things got out of their control it, the the thing just blew up and they couldn't rein it in so then they had to eventually either sold it or file for bankruptcy protection according to uh this story uh co-founder yeah, they were letting people see movie one movie a day for ten dollars a month like and people was taking was advantage of it and, i mean who wouldn't like who would not go to i would if, if i would I would go to a movie every day or at least right. every other day. 
Right. And, and they were actually paying the cost of the movie ticket to the theaters thinking that they were going to make money on the back end with all the data they were collecting and the ad mm. revenue that they were going to mm. generate. And that just didn't happen like they thought it was. And then, oh, by the way, here's a whole pandemic keeping people out of theaters altogether. And and it just didn't work out. Right. So my point I was getting to now they're trying to make a comeback and everybody's mm-hmm. like, nah, son, we ain't, we ain't falling for it. But not to compare, but your boy, um, um, uh, I think we t- even talked about this uh, from... Um, co-working space um the we work dude. yeah we work guy he's coming adam back Newman. Absolutely. Adam, and he's With got a this bag whole, of money <laughs> right he's got he's got this new plan to where he's going to create these new apartment complexes and everybody's like oh here here's some money but the movie pass brothers they like nah 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 <laughs> yeah it's, it'll be interesting they're gonna have tiered service i don't i didn't see what you get with like they have 10 20 and 30 dollar a month uh plans so i guess they're gonna try to make a little bit more of their money on the front end um than on the back end they so it sounds like they learned that lesson at least um but i don't know you know y'all trying to go to the movies i, I so, uh, here so I'm just I've as been you to the guys movies. are talking, I'm thinking about this. Uh, so they, they do have data from before. They know what mistakes not to make. So they're probably going to charge more and you're not going to be able to see as much. So those are probably things that are going to happen. The other thing too, that they can, they might be able to factor into this, at least for the short term. They're going to have a lot of folks like me. I really ain't trying to go see a movie like that. So if it's inexpensive enough to where I know, okay, I know that there are two movies coming up. I want to see, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Black Panther. I definitely want to see that. Uh, and what's the one with Viola Davis? What's that the Woman called? King? The Woman King. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. So if I know I'm going to go see both of those and they're coming out roughly around the same time, well, maybe getting this membership saves me a little bit and, you know, get some popcorn, this other kind of stuff. So I, I would do it, but I'm not, I, I just don't think I'm going to be that person who would be back yeah. in the movie two, three times a week. Um, like they were getting to before. And as you were saying, there were folks who were literally, they were going to movies every day or multiple movies a, a day. And I can't uh, blame before. them. So it, it, it'll be interesting, but I'm just, I'm just, I know me. Um, I, I, I'm not ready to be sitting in a movie theater like that. Yeah. Matter and fact, well, well, me and my wife go, uh, we go in the middle of the week <laughs> at 12 o'clock at noon when it's just me and her and maybe three or four other people. And that's how we've been, uh, easing back into the movie theaters, you know, since, Say maybe since springtime uh, this past year, so that's how we've been. Getting, and that's getting when I it. would go, but I feel like for these particular movies, because those are the two movies Rob mentioned, are two movies I would go back into the theater to see. Um, I feel you like be with the people. No, no, I don't. I don't. Oh. But I feel like every show is going to be packed and crowded. Oh, yeah, 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 you know right, what I mean? Right, like right, at right, least right, for that right. first week, right. that opening week or whatever. And you want to be able to contribute to the opening week and, you know, make sure that the movie gets the traction it needs. And now like you want to be able to do all those things. But I also don't want to sit in a packed movie theater with, you know, 300 other people. So <laughs> I can't do it. Just not ready yet. So Sorry, Viola. <laughs> I'm gonna see. I'm, I'm gonna see them both in the movie. I just like it. it might be like a Tuesday at 10:42, showing three weeks later like that in the, the winning, the winning um, how a, a week after the you know the the, the super crowds come in because I'm just I'm just not. If somebody was coughing, 
throughout the movie, I would freak out and probably would get up and leave. And you know, so. the Black Panther, people already talking about we wearing all white and, and it, you know, folk making plans <laughs> to take the whole fan. Like, that's going to be a, a, a circus, a honestly. And and it's just like, no. I, and that's going to be every show. Starting at the first show in the morning till the last show. I'm like, mm, nah. <laughs> When uh, the last Black Panther came out, uh, my brother in Northeast Ohio told me that there was a movie theater and they were tailgating at the movie. I can believe it. <laughs> I, I can like, totally believe it. We will barbecue at any point in time. But uh, but no, I'm, I'm not ready for movie pass yet. But we so wish them all left. the best. This last story, uh, I think I was it yesterday, day before yesterday. I sent y'all a link to this one because this one, this one was a good one. This is our main story. Uh, you know, I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal, um, about big data, um, and AI powered chatbots being used at colleges and universities. And these things are being used from everything to, you know, for, and, you know, for helping with enrollment for, you know, for students that are potentially looking to go to a school, just helping them navigate through that to, uh, you know, um, some of them are actually being used. They're catching words to, you know, people who might be suffering from depression to where they'll actually have a, you know, an intervention specialist or someone contact them back, you know, um, directly, uh, to helping you. Uh, if, you know, you, you know, a lot of people, they drop out over financial reasons, but their financial reasons that could absolutely be solved, uh, with a bit of financial aid. Uh, the article says, I think 95% of the time, but you have people dropping out over something that could absolutely be solved. And these, these bots and this AI, is good for figuring all this stuff out. So it was like it was a it was a very uh, interesting article. It was about a ten minute read for me. I don't I don't read that terribly fast, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this about uh, you know like you know the, the one of the main schools that they were talking about was Georgia State and their uh, mascot. And, uh, you know, just how, uh, you know, it started off for freshmen back in 2016 and then it went to all students in 2019. And they are really using this to, you know, to keep kids in school, to, you know, make sure that they're, you know, getting the help they need while they're in their classes and keeping them from dropping out. Well, I mean, it's the same question as the Fitbit story, like. Are we cool when our data is being used for our good or, or not? Nah? You know what I mean? It's like you, you, you can't really have it both ways. You either want the data to help or, or, or you want your privacy. And, and I just see the potential for, I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of students are being helped. So that is not a bad, that's never going to be a bad thing. However, you know, the potential for the misuse of this data. Um, once these schools maybe realize maybe they can make a little money off the data. Um, what if the data gets hacked? Like, you know, what if you're misinterpreting somebody's like, cause the whole, you know, suicide thing, like, or depression thing, like, or do you have access to these students text messages at this point? Like how much access to, to these students data do you actually have? And then the, the potential for it to be misinterpreted. And, 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 and there's a, there's a lot of considerations. Um, in the case in this. of the suicide uh, in, in actually going and contacting someone, it was a student that knew they were talking to the bot and said mm -hmm. this to the bot. Okay. And, I think, um, you know, what, what is happening here and, and why this is working, um, in, in some ways for these universities is because, uh, you are talking to a AI, you're talking to a bot, not to a person. 
So you feel like I'm more comfortable to say some of these things. Um, you know, if some, if, if a counselor were to ask you, Hey, are, are you good? Is everything fine? You might, yeah, I'm good. Everything's fine, but everything isn't. But when it's something is this in, inanimate object that you're talking to, you might, you know, you know, I, I, I don't know. I've never talked to a bot in this way, but it, according to the story, students are telling these, you know, telling these bots things and the bots are able to, you know, the AI is actually able to figure out. I was like, you know what? We probably need to, uh, make sure that this student is aware that there are office hours they can go to. We need to make sure that this student is aware that there is fin- financial aid that they can get, you know, for these emergency circumstances. Um, like I said, the, the one stat that, uh, you know, that really stood out to me was that, in fine, you know, in, you know, when it comes to a student is in school and they don't have the money, like they lost a job, you know, they got laid off or something like that. There are all, there's all this emergency money that once you're in the school, they can find to help keep you there. Whereas a lot of times those students will say, I don't have the money and they just dip and they're just gone before anything can happen. And this bot is, you know, potentially helping with that. Well, so my mind didn't go to the hacking thing. My mind went to, uh, colleges, uh, taking advantage of this for profit because mm-hmm. one of the still one of the another scenario that they talked about in the story was um they're able to look at the kids grades and just based on the data analytics they notice that kids who take this certain class and they get a b minus or below or something like that they Make typically drop out at this date so they're crunching all this data in order to create a profile of this kid or the student. And then when they talk to the bot or whatever, based on this data, they can kind of steer them in different directions. Right. Well, that sounds you're, you're starting to get to, into a lot of really, really specific things that you're collecting. And about it becomes this. a recommendation engine. And, and, and then so before you know it, tutoring services you got, and we got this. Extra. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then these mm-hmm. companies are putting these little ads in the little bot and they get yeah. a little kickback. And before you know it, yada, yada, yada. Oh, that's yada, coming. So. Trust. That, it's a natural, <laughs> it's a natural evolution of this kind of thing. It's just, it's just what it is. It's America. You know what I mean? Right. It's a, it's a so, capitalist society. And, and yeah, that's definitely coming. So oh, as, right. as, as I'm reading this, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But you know, ab- about three minutes in, it's like, you know, they're going to mess this up. They, they're going to start doing this with it. They're Inevitably. With it. Inevitably. So it's just like, you know, I, 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 I kind of had to revert back to, well, this is humans who ultimately are designing these things and are going to ultimately be using these things. So, yes, do I think that universities are going to try to profit off of this? Yes, I do believe they're going to. Are all of them going to? No, but enough will that we'll be talking about it on a future episode of the Tech mm-hmm. and I do believe to, that that's coming. The other thing. Ma- go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say um, another part in the story was not all the schools can take advantage of it. So then right. you got. You know, I used to work at Georgia State, actually, um, and their um, school smack dab in downtown Atlanta, you know, but they've got, you know, a lot of different resources to where they can handle something like this. You think of your average HBCU, you know, they can barely scrape money together for, you know, they well, let me not say on top of barely scraping the money together for students, they can barely find housing for them. Like, for instance, my alma mater. They got kids, you know, posted up in the Ramada Inn because they don't have enough housing for them. And then the, the kids' cars are getting, uh, the kids' cars are getting broken into, you know. So you add all that, all the issues that a lower resource school are already struggling with. Now you want them to commit millions of dollars to 
wrapping their minds around all this potential data that they can get for these students in order to help them with their all these other things. It's like you just add another problem. <laughs> so, of course, the they're not going to yeah. be able to use it to the to the fullest capacity. Now you're putting resources to that that they ain't really using halfway when they could be taking that money and putting up another dorm or whatever the case may be. So it's just like, you know, if, if, if it could be utilized, if it was open source and if it was utilized by all and we had morals and ethics, you know, this would be awesome. But unfortunately, <laughs> if, if, if with case, the fifth, right, we, <laughs> we'd all be drunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> but keep going, you know, keep doing it. You know, we, somebody's got to pioneer it. Somebody's got to be cavalier. Somebody's got to crack the so code. Let me ask y'all about this part of it. This is not the, the tech piece. And, and this just may be me being bitter. Cause I didn't have this back in the day or whatever, but, um, some of this was also to the effect that, um, they were helping students wake up on time, get to class on time, like do basic functions that you're in college to learn how to do as you become an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, I was like, really? We gotta. We got to get y'all out of bed. And right. And like there was, there's some of the stuff they were doing. I was like, we got to, we got to, we need AI for this now. Like we, we can't get to class on time no more. We can't get to, we can't get our homework assignments done and keep track of like, that's, that's a part of college. And there are some and learning how are, to manage your time. There are some kids that the first time that they did their own laundry, I get their it. own breakfast I get was it, when they went to college. Sinker- <laughs> No, this is this. I, like, right. I don't want anybody to sink. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to fail at college or or whatever. But when do you actually get to learn those skills? Right, the that, hard knock life, school hard be, knocks, rather. Well, that you need yeah. to be a functioning adult. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like your employer ain't going to uh, make sure you turn your assignments in on time and 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 stuff like that, and, and get to work on time and call right. you to wake you up. Like I, I, that part of it, I was just like, ah, here we go. With, so, yeah, with I, I was thinking that same thing. So I started to think it's like if you're in that, uh, they use the example of uh, economics, and that the AI could actually tell that if you are in economics if you do like in your freshman year you have to take certain math classes if you do you know if you, if you get less than like a b minus, minus or was, b minus yeah. or something then there is a strong correlation that you're not going to make it through that uh you know through that next course so they're tr- already trying to figure out how to get you the you know the the remedial Tools. work that you might need uh you know to catch up or at least make sure that you're going to see uh your professors in office hours and stuff like that um I'll say this as a public service announcement. I know we all have done it, uh, but there are so many people that go to school. And even though the professor is telling you that they have office hours and are there for you to go in and, you know, and get whatever help you need, they just never take advantage of it. So one of the things I was looking at is like, okay, so if a bot says it, then you go do it and you act because the numbers are the numbers, you know, literally people who were, they, they had a study where it was, you know, one group of students who didn't have access to the bot. Another uh, group of students had access to the bot and their the, the ones who had access were 11 points higher. That is more than a letter right. grade. Right. So you can't deny that. But then the other part comes from, you know, your part, Stephanie is like, okay, um, if I have to handhold this person, through everything, 
to get saying. the grade so they can actually get through the degree. And I know we need, we all need help. Me? Yeah, so <laughs> we all need help sometimes. Trust me, I could have used it in grad school, but, um, but damn, like, like I said, when do you actually get to learn the, the adulting that you need to, to, to function as a grown up in society? When do you, when do you learn that if a bot is telling you how to do everything? Right. Uh, on the flip side though, um, these new kids are different. These kids, you know, their social media, their smartphones, they are DMs, they are Slack channels. Well, learn and how WhatsApp. to do your laundry on YouTube. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is <laughs> maybe some of these kids, everybody needs help. Not everybody knows how to ask. Not everybody knows who are maybe there are some people who are just so um proud that they will never ask for help. Well, the and then anxiety is the big and anxiety. And you got all these other things. I get it. I get it. But I, I guess I was looking at it as um the the there are some kids who would not get help at all anyway otherwise versus them using this this AI, this bot or whatever the case may be, they may feel more comfortable, like Rob said, reaching out to somebody who won't be who, you know, sometimes people just want to vent. You really right. don't want an answer. You really don't want a response. You really don't want a resolution. You really don't want somebody in your business, right? You and just want a generation of people who are living online anyway. So going and typing something into a chat message, you know, doesn't really might be different than talking to somebody that, that may be an I'm avenue. That may be an, a, that may be an avenue for somebody to get a feeling of at the very least. Okay. The tools are available. Now I have a way to access them right. when they normally wouldn't other ways. Right. And like I said, I'm not anti-help. I mean, I know it sound, I'm sounding real old and bitter. Like I had to do it and walk up, walk to school uphill both ways. You got, <laughs> <laughs> but it just, yeah, like I said, it's like, you know, I just want to make sure the students have an opportunity to learn and um, a, these things as well. And it's a shame that they are, you know, no fault of their own weren't prepared prior to that's the right. whole part of being a parent. You know, you're supposed to that's guide your too. kids, not just that's make sure they don't get in trouble, not make sure that they got all their uh, grades, right. You know, I'm putting a kid in, you know, I got a kid in high school now, ninth grade. And, you know, we actually went to um, her school and kind of sat through each class as in like, it was a full day. And, you know, the parent and the, every teacher said, we got this and that and this and that and the other, and these are all the tools. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm looking at some of these parents. It's like, I'm pretty sure that parent does all their kids homework and this parent right. <laughs> makes sure that they are forcing them to take these AP level courses so they can get this certain GPA just so they can get into college. And they ain't even thought to even ask the kid, okay, is college where you want to go or would you rather be playing soccer as opposed to being on the d debate team and would you rather work in a study group versus me paying thousands of dollars to send you to a tutor you know these kids are being pushed through life and when they hit college and they figure out hey I've got all these options or I don't or I don't have somebody telling me what to do every single day I shut down because I've never experienced this before. And you would hope that kids would at least have those basic skills to where it's like, all right, I'm stuck. All right. I need to figure out 
how to get these resources together like we did when we was in college. It's like, look, right. I'm broke. Had to get I real not, creative. I don't have I don't have no money. <laughs> Had to get real creative. <laughs> I gotta I gotta come up with ten. We got G's them hanging in next and out. week. <laughs> okay. We got them hanging in and out. That's that's all. So, so today in twenty twenty two, most students who are in college are first generation and that's across the board. But when you start looking at uh African Americans, Latinos, it is still overwhelmingly a good chance that you didn't have any folks who went to college before you. Right. So uh, I think a big part of this is uh, a, a lot of times you just don't have any, you, you know, if your parents didn't go to school, you can't necessarily fall back on your parents and at, you know, to ask questions of you may just sure. not have a network. So I could kind of see this if, you know, if you don't have a network, because this is something that I, w- I will never forget. Uh, Dr. Francis Dorsey, Kent State University, uh, you know, when I was in, uh, you know, uh, uh, school there. Um, remember coming in, he, you know, one of the things he said, uh, this is predominantly, you know, Kent State's predominantly white institution. He would say a, uh, you know, a, you know, a black C is a white A. And then everybody would just going out. Oh, I can't believe you're saying something like that. And then he would explain it. And he was like, no, I'm not saying that, you know, that the work that white students do, uh, that would get a black suit in a C will get them an A. So I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that the, you know, the network and the resources and the fraternities that have, you know, the study plans and all this kind of stuff that mm-hmm. they have to get you through school that is just part of the, well, this is how my dad and my mom did it. So this is how I'm going to do it. And so many, uh, you know, African American students coming in, you just don't have any of that. It's like, you know, if you've never, you know, when you, sometimes you go to these big, you know, big giant universities, you got these big giant uh, lecture halls, your professor is not going to plead and beg you to come to office hours. They're going to tell you about it day one. And if you and show up, you show up again. and yeah. you won't, won't even mention it again. Um, whereas, you know, so it's just, it was just things like that. And it's like, you know, I really had to think about okay, what is, what is it you're saying? Like, so he explained it very well. It's like, it's not about the grade. It's about the access to resources or you even knowing that there are resources there. Right. So his point was, it's like, there's this, there's that. Don't, don't wait until it's too late. Don't drop out because you can't, you know, uh, figure this out on your own and you don't necessarily have the support at home to help you get through it. Come and talk to these folks. You know, these folks, this is what they do for a living. Um, so I kind of, you know, I kind of thought about that because the story did point out that, you know, that this is actually helping, um, it's, a, you know, said, you know, uh, Native Americans, Latinos, yeah. and African Americans, um, you know, at a greater clip than it is their white counterparts. And I think, well, that's probably part of the reason because a lot of these students, even though across the board, uh, you know, first generation is still prevalent in college. When you're looking at people of color, overwhelmingly the chance that your folks never went, that they don't have any, uh, you know, anecdotes, any stories stories to tell you um, that is much greater if you look like us, uh, you know, compared to, uh, you know, our Caucasian white, you know, our counterparts. So I just thought that it was a, it was a really good story. And I am going to save, you know, th- this, this last part probably for uh, the after party, but there were comments on this wall street journal. Uh, oh, article. I can imagine. I didn't even read them there and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> It's glad like racism, I did. Racism, 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 racism. It's like, it's like, is, is, am I going to come across a comment that isn't racist? Uh, it was hard. I think I read through probably about 16, 17 and out of the 16, 17, it might have been 15, 16. It was like, wow, you yeah. actually said that. So, uh, so yeah, there, there's that, there's that part of it too. But I just thought this was a really interesting story. For so many reasons, because I think it's good for right now. <laughs> Eventually, I just see it. I just think it's good. Well, I, and I think we're going to see a lot more schools 
going in this direction again, especially once they realize um, how monetizable it is. And not just that. Uh, well, in addition to that, um, it alleviates if you get it right or you can get it as functional up front, that lessens the load on you having to provide physical, actual people to do mm-hmm. these jobs, to man phone calls, to uh, respond to emails and to manage the the with the, the site's Twitter feed or whatever the case may be. If you can provide this service to where anybody can utilize it to however, customize it to their own use, you're not providing additional resources to where now you need employees and now you need benefits and now you need. Which again, save the money. Which it again saves the money. To the money. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, okay, well, you're either, you know, uh, you're saving money, you know, or you're profiting, you know, and mm-hmm. they'll figure out how to do both. But at the same time, you know, you can customize it based on, you know, your particular demographics, your students, you know, all that sort of thing. If you can get it right the first time, well, nothing's right the first time. But if you can take advantage of this, you can use it to your benefit in ways you may not eventually originally thought that right. it would alleviate additional problems and go into it with the right intention. Right. right. And, and, and do this for me too. universities and colleges call our last week's uh, spotlight. Dr. Latanya Sweeney up. She is, she, she's done all this groundbreaking work on security and privacy and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Call her up and, and, and yell at her, you know, right fast to see how, how can we make sure that we're keeping our students data safe? She might, she might have a word or two for you. And I said that to say this, uh, Stephanie, you've got a spotlight for us this week. We got a spotlight. Spotlight. So we got go a spotlight. About, um, let me see. Are we here. doing the, the picture? Oh, yeah. I'm going to pull it up in a second. I was just trying to find her name here. Dr. Janetta McCalla. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about Dr. Janetta McCalla. She is the chief executive officer at Zyrobotics, responsible for corporate management and impl- implementation of Zyrobotics strategic plans. Zyrobotics is an award-winning creator of inclusive educational technologies for the diverse needs of children with differing abilities. Dr. McCalla is a serial entrepreneur and has a 35-year executive track record managing technology companies, as well as extensive project management experience in high-tech projects with BART, Port of Los Angeles, TRW, NASA, and the U.S. military. Prior to Zyro, Zyrobotics, she was the CEO of Automated Switching and Controls, Inc., a communications and controls company with over $8 million in annual contracts with city and state transit. Before that, Dr. McCalla was president of Advanced Systems Concepts, Inc., overseeing approximately $3 million in DOD contracts for military communications and control systems. As chairman of the L. LA Metropolitan Transit Authority Foundation. She managed their $100 million endowment and was a board member of the California High Speed Rail Commission. She has been a member of the California Council of Science and Technology and the National Office Advisory Panel, member of the Independent Review Panel for the Public Interest Energy Research Program, and is 
currently a member of the California Science and Technology Policy Fellowship Review Board. She has also held positions as an associate professor at the California Polytechnic University in Pomona, California, and adjunct professor at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, University of Southern California, and West Coast University in Los Angeles, California. Dr. McCalla holds degrees from Brown University, Stanford University, and a PhD in electrical engineering from the University of Southern California. So shout out to Dr. Johnetta McCalla doing her thing in the tech space. Two things that I recognized uh, when you read through this. Number one, black women really overrepresent in our spotlights. Straight that's, not by, that, that's not because we're looking for them. It's just because they do. They're just awesome like that in this space. And one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, a lot of our spotlights, we, we've got folks who are literally historical figures in our spotlight. But there's a lot of women, you know, the, the women that we are spotlighting, they're still actively doing what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like how you, you said currently a gaggle of times in, in that reach. She <laughs> is actively doing this. And granted, she's been in the game for 35 years. But if she started right out of college, I mean, she has yeah. really been doing, you know, you know, she she's still got, you know, a lot of time left, you know, to, to do the kind of things that she does. And, you know, it's just like a, you know, like a, a recurring theme. That was the same thing that we said for uh, Dr. Sweeney last week. That was the same thing that we said for, um, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. I can't even think of her name. I'm looking right at her picture, but you know, we, we've just had a bunch of women that we have spotlighted that they are actively doing the thing that was worthy to make them a spotlight in the first place, which I just think is kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Killing a game, maybe killing a game. You the computers are still kind of new. <laughs> killing the game. So y'all, uh, you know, I'm looking at the show. That was a uh, that was that was a nice and tight hour and hour and five minute show that we just mm-hmm. uh, you know went through. So let's go ahead and close it out, Stephanie. Why don't you go ahead and tell the folks I didn't get to you? You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph and stay tuned. StephanieHumphrey.com is coming very very soon. It is in progress as we speak. All right. And you can find me all over the internet at Brother Tech. That's B R O T H A T E C H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at the Tech John on all the things. So come and check us out there. No, I didn't forget the uh, the Patrons. We did not have a Patreon this week, so I just skipped right over it. Uh, but until we meet in a week's time, y'all. Peace. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.